As we prepare for our reading uh, from a, a few different places in Scripture today, we'll be looking at both the Psalms and parts of Genesis, and just, just strap in, it's okay. Uh, uh, Derek was giving me uh, some, some grief before, saying we had three different passages today, but it's all part of the Bible, so it's okay. Uh, let us join our hearts in prayer this morning. God, thank you for this, this time to be together, this time to approach your holy word, this time to to hear the words that you've spoken to your people through generations. We ask that you melt away the things that are in our lives that that obscure our perception of you, that you enlighten our perception of you, that you change us, that we might know you better, that your words that we hear now become your living word in our hearts that empower us to live as your people. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, our scriptures today are going to come from Psalm chapter 8, Genesis 1, and Genesis 2, but we're not reading all of it, so it's okay. So first, Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 to 9. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God. And crown them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now Genesis 1, 26 to 31. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over birds of the air, over the cattle and all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth and every bird of the air and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for you. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. Genesis 2, 4-7. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, When no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth, and the water, the whole face of the ground, and then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. This is the word of the Lord. Now, there are a lot of stories in Scripture that are exciting, resonating for different reasons, different stories that stick out to us because of 
the characters that are there, the, the experiences that they have. Some have to do with the miraculous events that we see unfold. They're pretty unforgettable. Some have to do with the, the moral challenges that certain characters encounter. Uh, they're, they're great life lessons that we carry with us. Some have to do with the, the fascinating parables that people like Jesus teach to followers because they, they just they just sit in our minds so much and they make these ordinary moments in our lives become extraordinary uh, things that point us toward, toward God. But there are parts of Scripture, maybe sometimes it's the Psalms, that are just poetic, that remind us of our love of God. There are parts of Scripture that just point us toward God in a way that other parts don't. And for me, I can share that Genesis is one of those places. This, this part of Genesis, the first two chapters, is something in Scripture that just points me to God in a way that it just gets me excited. So I'm going to try not to shout too much this morning. But when I tell you that the beginning of Genesis is such a powerful part of Scripture to me, it's, it's because it's showing us the entire story from the beginning. Genesis means beginning, so it's a good place to tell us what the point of the story is. Uh, but when we're talking about what it means to be in relationship with God, when we're talking about what it means to be the people of God, made in the image of God is the key. We, we've got it right here, and we confuse it, and we lose sight of it, and we, we, we forget it, but the reality is that we were created in the beginning as image bearers. Now, that phrase might not mean a lot. You can tally how many times I say it this morning, but image bearing is what it means to be human beings. It's what sets us apart from the rest of creation. It is what defines us as God's people. Now, throughout our lives, we find ourselves wearing all kinds of different hats. I've always heard this, uh, this phrase used, like, oh, I'm just wearing a different hat today. And, and it makes sense. Like, you might have different jobs. You might wear, work a job where you actually wear a hat. I've worked a few different jobs. I worked at Olive Garden once. I will not go back. But, you know, there are places in our lives where you, you've got hats, or metaphorical hats, we'll say, where, okay, this is my, my spousal hat, and this is my job hat, and this is my friend hat. I've got to switch from my friend hat to my work hat. I work with the teens. I have to go from serious mic to goofy mic all the time. Switch the hats. Switching hats is totally fine. It, it's a way to delineate, to explain where we are, what we're doing. It, it represents different parts of our personalities, parts of the image bearingness that we have. God made us uniquely to, to wear these different hats. There are times to wear hats. Hats are accessories. They help reveal something about us. Maybe you've always got your sports team hats on. Maybe you always wear your work hat even when you're relaxing. Hats are okay, but there's a subtle difference between hats and another thing that we wear, and it's masks. Hats are things that help make sense. They help explain. They help delineate. They help give you all an idea of part of who I am. Masks are always about hiding who we are. Masks are always a defense mechanism. Masks are always about deceiving either you or myself or God or the world. Hats, they make sense. Masks are a lie. And the danger is they both feel really similar when we put them on, metaphorically. We put them on and then we're not really sure when to take them off. Sometimes if you don't know when to switch between your hats, you end up in a, in a pickle. You have to know when to switch off your hat. But the problem with masks is that we're not always sure when we put our masks on. We're not always sure when we actually 
are, are creating the new one. We're not always sure why we've put it on in the first place. The thing about masks is that they're keeping us from the places we're called to be as image bearers. There are different seasons in your life. There are different friendships that you'll have in different places. There are jobs that might take you to crazy new places. There are moments that are going to require you to change your entire pace in life. You're going to have to learn new skills. You're going to have to try new things. You're going to have to let go of old things. That's part of the seasons of life. That's part of the unfolding will of God in our lives. But when we are living as image bearers of the infinite God, We cannot put on masks. And we know what these masks are like. The masks are the things that we put on to give other people an idea of who we are, to to let them know that this is what we think we need to present ourselves as, to be accepted. Masks are what we, we put on when we want to go unseen. I'll show you this part of me, but not the true part of me. It's a defense mechanism not only from the world, but from from the people closest to us, and from our God. There are parts in our lives where, where there's this interchange between hats and masks. I, I was a soccer player once upon a time. Uh, I, I'm known as an athlete to some teens in the room. Uh, I used to be a much better athlete. There was a time when I only thought about doing sports, doing these things. I had to let that hat go. I had to let that part of my life go. I'm not in the Olympics. I'm not a professional athlete. It's okay to enjoy that, to put that hat back on time to time. But there was a time in my life when it wasn't a hat. Soccer was my mask. I wrapped up my entire identity in soccer. Everything that I did, everything that I talked about, all of my value and worth in a community, I thought, well, I'm not really sure where I'm supposed to be, where I'm supposed to go, who I'm supposed to be around, but I put this jersey on I get to belong somewhere. If you put that jersey on, you get to feel like you're somebody. And that's the thing about masks. is It's this subtle shift in how we approach really good things, good things that can be joyful and part of God's plan and joyous life for us. But if you love it the wrong way, if you approach it the wrong way, if you wear it the wrong way, it's no longer just a hat, it's a mask. We have to let go of these masks. And, and the challenge is that in a world full of all kinds of voices coming to us from every which direction, telling us what we need to do to enjoy our lives, who we're supposed to be, it's hard to really get a grip on who we've been called to be by the God of our faith, who we were created to be, and the answer was in the beginning all along. We are image bearers of God. We are made in the likeness of God. And that's not really helping narrow things down, I'm sure, for most of us. You're like, okay, great, we've got a new title, but we're not really sure what we're supposed to do with that. Okay, well, we'll spend some time talking about that. As we're thinking about what it means to be an image bearer, we're trying to approach the life that God has called us to. And the simplest way to figure that out is that we get glimpses throughout all of Scripture throughout all of church history of what it means to be the people of God. We see these stories and these moments, and that's great. But then we get 
something extraordinary on the scene, something miraculous on the scene. It's Jesus Christ coming in the flesh and showing us this is what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And Jesus starts flipping all of the things we thought made sense naturally on its head. Jesus gets on the scene and says, no, 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 not love your neighbor, love your enemy. He says, no, don't, don't pay back an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. You're supposed to love one another. Jesus says, no, it's not revenge, it's not anger, it's, it's peace. It's joy, it's gentleness, it's the fruits of these spirits. When Jesus is on the scene, he shows us what it means to be an image bearer of the divine. And when we begin to lean into this identity as image bearers, when we begin to try and reflect what it is God intended for humankind, what we believe about the kingdom of God, what it means to be the community of faith, when we really take that seriously, we let that sink in, it changes how we see everything. And not just everything. When, when God was done creating, he said it was all very good. It's not just how we see everything. It's how we see everyone. When we believe we are image bearers called to this, this life, to love as God loves, to, to serve as God serves, to, to seek justice as God seeks justice, it's not just for ourselves. It's for our neighbors. It's for our enemies. It's for every single person that we encounter. And so Unfortunately and fortunately, that means that everything matters. There aren't just ordinary moments. Every person you encounter is also an image bearer. That's why it's so important that we don't spend our time seeking revenge, seeking hate, seeking anger. Because we are made to be in this community together, reflecting the image of God. We were made unique. You were made with personality. You were made with gifts and talents, and that's all beautiful. We have to lean into that. But if you let that become the end in itself, if you think that your gifts and your talents are who you are, if you think your job is who you are, if you think your financial status is who you are, if you think that the, the triumphs you're going through or the tragedies that you're going through, if you think all of those things, are that's who you are. If you could be reduced to that, then you've missed the, the plot. We are image bearers, and the reality is that as everything else in our lives change, who we are around, the jobs that we find ourselves in, the school that we find ourselves in, the sports that we play, the hobbies that we have, the friends that we spend all of our time with, all of those things can change at any given moment. But the thing that will remain is that God is God. We've been called as image bearers to reflect who God is. And the best way we can do that is by being who God created us to be. There's the next big question. Well, who am I created to be? Well, we've all been made uniquely in the image of God. In being together, that's why worship is so important. Us to come together, it's exciting in the summer. We're all together for one service, 10 o'clock. It's a little packed. I like that. We're together because our uniqueness together better reflects the image of God. That's why isolation is so counterintuitive to the kingdom of God. We were never meant to do this alone. We were never meant to be on our own. We're meant to come together in all of our image-bearingness and do that with one another. That's why we have different kinds of music to reflect music in the image of God. That's why we have different personalities, different humors, different passions. It's because all of these things help give us another angle of this mirror that reflects the calling on all of our lives, this holy calling that sets us apart from the rest of creation. Everything we do matters. Every person we encounter matters. They're part of this calling as the image bearers of God. And the great tragedy in our lives is when people allow masks 
to replace that identity as an image bearer. The great tragedy is when we let all of these circumstances that come before us shape us more than God calling us image bearers. The, the monk in the 20th century, Thomas Merton, talks about this idea of identity in the faith, and he says, the thing is, we've all been called, we all have this responsibility to lean into our identity as image bearers, to, to live specifically how God has called you to live, to take the gifts and talents and calling and use it the way God has called you to use it. But if we play with masks, it'll be good for a while. It'll be comforting for a while. It'll be easy for a while. But the long-term cost and the long-term sorrow of wrapping up your divine identity in these temporal things, the, the cost of trying to find who you are, who you've been called to be, in created things rather than in the Creator, the cost is too high. The cost, it causes too much sorrow. And we know what this is like. We know what it's like to feel like everything has fallen apart because everything's going awry. But this is why throughout the great tradition of faith for thousands of years, Christians, even amidst the deepest and worst tragedies, have still clung to the hope of the gospel, of the good news. And what is that good news? That God loves us, that God calls us, that, that God is taking all of these things in our lives and working them together for his good and holy will, that God is not done, that God is leading us even in the dark and in the confusing times, that this good news that we've been called to be a part of, it, it becomes difficult to share if we're always wearing masks. The problem is, then we try to commune with God. We try to talk to God, but we're still clinging to our masks. But remember the words in Genesis, God, God breathed life into the dust, not into your mask. God didn't create your facade. The facade, the mask, it's this, this defense mechanism against whatever you think you need to do to fit in. But there is room here in the kingdom of God. There is room in the church of Jesus Christ to be who God's made you to be. To live in community in a way that will radically change the world around us. That's part of the hope and the faith that we have that we've been called to something higher than what we think we can do on our own. The shortcoming of the mask is that it's the cheap easy, short answer. It appeases ourselves and nobody else, but when we've been created to live as God made us, created to live into our identity as image bearers, created to strive to continue reflecting not just my own love, but perfect love, not just the peace I think we need, but perfect peace, not just the things you want, but what God wants. When we strive to do that, not just as individuals, but we strive to do that in community, it changes everything. And that's why when things are going so far wrong, we still cling to hope as people that believe in this infinite God. The, the psalmist writes, what are mortals that you're mindful of them? In God's great, overwhelming, unexplainable love, God created us and invites us into the sacred work of seeing the kingdom come. And that's why the Apostle Paul writes so confidently that he believes that neither height nor depth nor angels nor rulers nor, nor things to come nor things that have happened can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing in this world worth putting that mask on for. There's nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God. 
This morning we're celebrating graduates, these people that have come through our church one way or another, whether when they were little kids and they got baptized or they, they joined as adults and now they've gone through grad school, there, there are these phases of life that we experience together in community. And for you all especially, it's a, a great reminder that, that God has called you, but not just to this place. God's call on our lives is so much more expansive than we can ever imagine. It's not just about this sanctuary, this town. God is calling you to all kinds of places. It's going to be confusing and exciting and inspiring and challenging. But the call of God goes with us wherever we go because there's always new neighbors to love. There's always new ways to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. There's always new ways to reflect the image But your call is to reflect it. Your call is not to play with masks. Your call is to live as the people of God wherever you go, wherever you find yourself. And so this morning, as we prepare to to celebrate together, not only our graduates of, of high school and college and grad school, not only to celebrate our life together the last year as a church family out on the lawn, remember that the places we go The people we encounter, they're all wrapped up in God's call on our lives. The things that come next, they're all part of this extraordinary invitation into the sacred work of living as the people of God. Wherever you go, know that God goes with you. And for our graduates, wherever you find yourself, know that this church, this tiny church in Swickley, is a small, minuscule part of the church triumphant that transcends time, transcends borders, ethnicities, cultures. This church will always be your home. There are people all around you. There are people online that are here to love and to support you, to remind you of your calling, to be a safe haven for you when you're losing your way or you're struggling with doubt. This is a place where you can come and know this is your church no matter what church you end up in. And let that be the truth for all of us. Let us remind one another constantly of what it means to be image bearers of the divine. Go from this place knowing that you're going to be confident some days and happy some days and nervous some days and excited some days. Thank God for our children. Profound words, but know in all of those emotions, all of those feelings that God goes with you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.